Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Game day. It's finally here. Jazz haven't played since they won their series back on Wednesday. And now tonight, Tuesday night, a well-rested Jazz team will host Game 1, Round 2. The Clippers coming to town. we got a lot on that game for you coming up this morning, uh, later in the hour. You can hear from Clippers coach Tyron Liu and also Donovan Mitchell meeting with the media. So we'll get their takes on Game 1 tonight. Also coming up, we're going to hear from uh, Mark Madsen, UVU basketball coach, former Laker, three-time NBA champion. His take on where this stands with the Jazz and the Clippers and why and the matchups he's going to watch. And we are going to do that for you coming up next. Will the Jazz get a game like the, uh, the Nets? You wouldn't think so, right? Did you see the Nets just run the Bucks off the court last night? My gosh, that was uh, that was embarrassing for the Bucks. I mean, they just didn't compete, not even in the game. Wouldn't think that's what this is going to look like. Suns also won last night. The Suns got it going in the second half. They were they were in a hole. They were in trouble, but they got it going and actually ended up winning pretty comfortably against the Nuggets. All right, we'll get to the Jazz and the Clippers game one with Mark Madsen coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair expert. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. Time to welcome back Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball coach, former Laker. He joins us now to talk a little NBA playoffs. Mark, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. So, Mark, how were the first round picks? Did you nail it? You pick all the higher seeds, you pick a bunch of upsets, and now you feel like you don't know what's going on. No, I mean, look, the Lakers are out, so so you guys know I didn't nail it. <laughs> <laughs> but but look, Phoenix played well. Obviously, the Clippers are, are playing at a high level with Kawhi Leonard uh, playing the way he is. So it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to see just the, the guys that have elevated their level of play during the playoffs. Speaking of that elevated level of play, you've been there. How much does the intensity and everything ratchet up between the first and second rounds? Because that's where we're at now. It definitely ratchets up. Number one, from the regular season to the first round, and then on to the second, on to the conference finals. It just gets more and more intense every time. The stakes are higher. There's more pressure. There's just more pressure, and that's that's kind of where you see how how players and, and teams deal with the pressure. I've been incredibly impressed with the Jazz, with the Utah Jazz, and, and how well they've played, how well they've looked. Um, look, there was a scare early on with Memphis. Ja Morant, you know, played had a, had a great showing throughout the series. Uh, that that early loss that the Jazz had, but you got to give a lot of credit to the Utah Jazz for the way they bounced back and. And played so well against Memphis. 
I'm always intrigued by what you say about pressure. And not just you. I mean, lots of people say about pressure. You know, and suddenly, someone who sits there and shoots 100 free throws and makes a really high percentage, now it's the exact same thing, but now there's pressure. So, man, the arm is wavering, and they shoot at 13 and a half feet, or they shoot at about 17 feet and slam it off the backboard. And these crazy things happen. But there are other people who look at pressure as opportunity, and they get excited, and it's like, it's the best. Of course, there's pressure. Because that's there's there's an opportunity to do something great, and you can <laughs> well, walk into a locker room and probably go, that guy's nervous, that guy's nervous, that guy's fired up and excited, that guy's nervous, that guy's excited. <laughs> and like, how? Why is that? And can you talk people who are nervous into letting that go and being excited? It's not about hey, you're going to fail. Hey, you're about to succeed in a big way. That's awesome. <laughs> this the sports psychology of basketball or of any sport is fascinating to me because I honestly believe that most players get, have some level of nervousness before every game. I, I remember the first time I started in the playoffs, we were, I, was, I was playing for the Lakers and I, Bill Jackson had me starting against the Timberwolves and I was guarding Kevin Garnett. I was nervous. I was nervous before the game. I think Shaquille could sense that. And, and he, he literally came up to me and he said, Hey, don't try to do too much out there. Don't try to do too little. And, and you know, just having, having a teammate say that to me, it, it helped me. You know, because the tendency when you play with a superstar is, especially when the pressure is high, is they're going to they're gonna do it. Just give them space. They're going to do it. But then if you're Shaq or Kobe, they, they hated that because then double teams could come, you know, sit in the paint, clog the lane, double team Shaq on the post. And, and they needed all the other players to step up. Um, and so, you know, you look at Mike Conley played pretty well in the playoffs, I thought. Uh, Rudy Gobert just is a dominant defensive force. It's been fun to watch those guys. And then, you know, the Clippers are fresh in my mind because of yesterday's game. I mean, Kawhi Leonard under pressure for two games in a row, game six and game seven, really stepped up his game. And so th- this series, with the Utah Jazz with the Clippers, is going to be a great series. I'm picking Utah. I'm picking Utah to win it, uh, mainly because of Gobert. I, I think defensively, Gobert does so much on the court, and he just makes it so tough on other teams' offensive schemes. Okay, so Mark B, you're you're a coach now, and you're going. Uh, you basically articulated what you thought of the Jazz from the defensive perspective with Gobert, and it's hard to argue all that. But now you're you're. You tie Lou, and I'm wondering what you think they do as far as who they're playing because they bounced around a little bit in the playoffs at the guard line. I mean, they had Beverly start, then they didn't play him, and they put Jackson in there. So I assume Jackson is going to be the guy to, to get the majority of the minutes. But then their front line, you know, they got the Zubach, and he started three of the games, three of the seven, and then uh, Batum started four of the seven. Uh, and then you had, the th- obviously, Leonard and George are going to play and play big minutes. But then Morris also started all seven. So as far as how much concern do you think that the, the Jazz should have, or from the Clipper perspective, should they go with the smaller lineup and have guys like a Morris who can shoot a three and Batum who can shoot a three and pull Gobert away from the bucket? What do you think is going to happen there, and how should each team approach that? 
That's a great question. If, I, if I'm the Utah Jazz right now, you're, you're trying to figure out who the Clippers are going to start and which lineups they're going to go with. Conversely, if you're the Clippers, basketball is an interesting sport because from the coaching side, I've been on you know the Lakers staff for six years now as a head coach at Utah Valley. A lot of times you go with what's been working. <laughs> you, you, you see what's been working and you say to yourself, hey, we're not deviating from that unless we have to, in which case we will adjust. If I'm the Clippers, a couple things. Kawhi Leonard has an unbelievable mid-range pull-up. And so if you do go big with a Zubak, you're trying to free up Kawhi a little bit for that mid-range pull-up because that's one of his best shots. But going small and really stretching the floor out worked incredibly well against Dallas. And so that's probably the direction I think the Clippers are going to go try to pull Rudy away from the basket. So one thing about coaching, and uh, you know, you kind of touch on it there, you know, you go with what is working, but you'll always hear coaches and you'll hear veterans say, hey, it's early in a series. Because to a certain degree, these questions aren't any more answerable for them than they are for us. And so there's a little bit of, hey, let's throw some stuff against the wall, try this in this quarter, try that in this quarter, try this against their starters, try this against their bench, and just figure out what is working. And I mean, that sounds super simple, but when I start watching games one, two, sometimes even three of a playoff series, I think that's what I'm seeing. There's no question that happens. There's no question. The decision that Ty Lue made to not play Beverly as much, that, that's a gutsy decision because <clears throat> Patrick Beverly, he can flat out play the game. He's a great defender. He's scrappy. He, he, he makes a difference. You know, you look at the Utah Jazz, you look at the, the, the three-point shooting that they have. I mean, the Jazz have done an unbelievable job of constructing that roster to, to have plenty of shooting and then also – the, co- the coaching staff has done a great job of putting the Jazz players in positions that, that allow them to, to be the most successful. You look at a guy like uh, Niang. I mean, Niang was bouncing around early in his career in, in the NBA. He, he might have played overseas a year or two. He, he was bouncing around. He never really stuck. And now he, he put together a good, a very strong season for the Jazz. He helped the Jazz a lot. Um, Royce O'Neal kind of a under-the-radar guy coming out. I mean, give a lot of credit to the, to the Jazz organization for constructing the roster the way that they have. From the coaching perspective, how comfortable would you be with what Quinn Snyder has done in terms of somebody like a Jordan Clarkson who has a green light at any time? And if the ball's going in, great. But if it's not, it's not like Quinn pulls back the green light. Is that a hard thing to do to just basically relinquish everything to the player in that way? I think that's part of what makes Quinn Snyder great. Some NBA coaches, they try to hold those reins so tight they hold the reins too tight, and it stifles the players. I coached Jordan Clarkson for a couple of years in L.A., and he's a guy, when he's in a flow, he's, he's close to unstoppable at times on the court. Now, the downside is, if, if he's not in rhythm, you know, when do you go a different direction? And that's the hard thing, but, but Jordan has put together a tremendous body of work here with the Utah Jazz. There's no question about it. He's, he's earned the respect of – he already had the respect of everybody in the league, but it's, it's elevated. It's elevated. 
But that's part of what makes Quinn Snyder great is his ability to read a player, his ability to then put that player in a situation where the player can be the most successful to help the team. So I'm curious what you think because the playoff is about stars. And sometimes when it's happening right in front of you, A, you don't notice. B, you don't want to say it out loud because it sounds outrageous and you sound like a total homer. And maybe you sound like an idiot to some people. But has Donovan Mitchell hit a whole other level of stardom that can't be dismissed by the bubble, can't be dismissed really by anything? He's just, he's there. And what he did in Game 5 is something he's going to do. Nobody does it every night, but he's going to do it on a semi-regular basis, and people should fear him the way they fear other big-time stars around the league. Can the Jazz hop on his back? Here's what I'll say. Obviously, Game 5 was... I mean, Donovan has put together some incredible performances this season in the playoffs and and in the regular season. After he sat Game 1, and you know he's coming back with major pressure, the team lost game one. He didn't play. There, you know, there was questions on what transpired. That's a lot of pressure. He came back that next game in game two and went off. He completely went off. That's hard to do for a couple of reasons. N- number one, the pressure is ratcheted up. And, and number two, he hadn't played live reps in, I, I, you guys can tell me, in, in weeks. So it's very difficult to, you know, basketball players, we all know, Sometimes to get into a rhythm, you, you have to have a few games under your belt. Look at the Lakers. Look at LeBron and AD. Those guys missed a lot of games, and, and as great as they are, they were never fully able to recapture their rhythm. Donovan came back and got into rhythm quickly. Okay, um, <clears throat> He's still a young star. He's still a young star. But, but I'll tell you this. We worked him out at the Lakers the year he came out in the draft. We worked him out. Everyone was incredibly impressed with him. The crazy thing is, at the time, everyone was projecting him, you know, to, to, to go later in the draft. And so when the Jazz took Donovan Mitchell, I mean, I, I was personally curious because I was hoping we would find a way to trade up to get another pick to not only take Lonzo Ball, but to take Donovan Mitchell as well. So what did you see him? You saw him as a mid-first-round pick? Is that what you're saying? Well, well the thing is, I think his workout was so impressive. You know, we were just all incredibly impressed with him. Um, You know, some players come in out of shape. They they don't shoot the ball well, you you know. Donovan came in in phenomenal shape. He shot the ball incredibly well. And, you know, when you're on the coaching side, you're so busy during the season that you don't really go out. You don't go out and you watch. You don't scout. You know, and so I think – you just don't know. Was it a one-off? Did he just shoot the ball so well? This one workout in LA with, you know, really no one else in the gym. You know, is, is he a guy that's a great workout guy, or can he can he have it translate over to the game? These are the things you don't know going through the draft process. And again, all those things are above my pay grade because I was on the coaching staff, not not the management side. But I, I, I think, you know, I was happy the Lakers brought him in and worked him out, and he impressed mainly because of his shooting and his professionalism. We're joined right now by Mark Madsen, UVU men's basketball head coach. You got the Nuggets or the Suns? That's right. I'm taking them two series at a time. You see where I'm going here? <laughs> I'll go with the Nuggets, you know, only because of, you know, the, the Joker, Jokic. I think he's just 
he's a, he's a matchup nightmare. I, I think it's all going Nuggets, um, but I think I think it'll go at least six games. As I look at this series with the Clippers and Mavs, obviously it goes to the limit and a lot of pressure, a lot of intensity. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard each average. Uh, 40 plus minutes a game so they're playing a ton that's a lot of minutes do you have any concern or maybe the Jazz can benefit if this series go long that uh, one of these or both of these guys run out of gas a little bit that you know 40 minutes is a lot of minutes to play those guys are getting beat up they're carrying a big load Um, obviously they didn't get much rest between yesterday's game and I think um, you know obviously the start of the Jazz series but the, the thing, the thing that Jazz have to be wary of is, and, and this happens every year. Sometimes the top teams finish their series early, like the Utah Jazz did with Memphis. And so, the Jazz right now are getting rest, you know. But you know, are they falling out of rhythm? And, and I only say that because it happened to us at the Lakers. We we hadn't lost a playoff game at all in 2001, and and we're getting ready to play in the NBA Finals being undefeated in the playoffs, which, you know, has rarely, if ever, been done. Philadelphia, with Allen Iverson, in contrast, they were going to Game 7 every single series. And so they, they had two days of rest, you know, something minuscule, two or three days of rest. They fly to L.A. We had been resting for two weeks, it felt like. Mm-hmm. Phil Jackson, at one point, had given us two days off in the playoffs. I can't remember if it was during the finals or the series before. So we're rested, you know, we're feeling confident. They came in and they beat us in game one in the Staples Center. Probably because they were in the trenches fighting. They, they were in rhythm. They, they, were, they were just in rhythm. And we had been on rest for, for a week or ten days. They beat us. You know? And so that's what the Jazz have to be wary of is the Clippers have been fighting and the Jazz have had the opportunity to rest. Look, we all know there's pros and cons to both. But, but that, I think that played out a little bit when Memphis stole game one from the Jazz. The Jazz had, had been on rest. And Memphis had the play-in game. So, we've been through all of this. You've got the Jazz beating the Clippers, right? I do. And you've got the Nuggets. So, you got a Jazz-Nuggets Western Conference Final. Yikes. Uh, who have you got coming out of the East? The, the, the East? <clears throat> you know, I haven't quite formulated my, my, my thought on that yet. You know, I, I don't know. The, the East is more of a toss-up. I haven't seen those guys as much this yeah. season. Living on this side of the country, that's the way it works. So, from the college perspective, Mark, this has got to be a crazy summer. We know with football that recruiting is open and guys can be on campus visits. Now, with you guys in college basketball, the transfer portal is just outrageous. Coach Krzyzewski's talking about it, and, and as he's getting ready to retire, it's it's so, I don't know if controversial is the right word, but anyway, it's out there, and I know you guys have put out a press release. you got to transfer. You may get, may or may not get more, but for you particularly uh, going forward here in June, what's the summer going to be like as far as as you uh, juggle all these things and uh, recruiting and your summer camps? I know you want to talk about the camps and all this stuff. How's all all of this going to play out for you guys at Utah Valley? Well, it's college basketball is, is free agency now. It's I joke with some guys that have NBA experience and they say the only difference between the NBA and college is that in the NBA, you can actually put someone under contract and know 
that you're going to have them for three years. Yeah. In, in college, this is a this is a year by year free agency. It, it feels like, and you, you know, sometimes as a coach, it it presents some challenges because you want to build continuity. But I think it's good for the players, uh, for for the most part. I think it's really good for the players because it gives the players freedom to explore what's best for them. Um, and so I'm always going to err on the side of what's good for the players. Um, now, the, the only downside for the players is this. I mean, sometimes if, if you can transfer so easily, you never go through those difficult moments with teammates, with a head coach, with, with a program, because you're just out of there. Hey, I'm out of here. It's, I, I don't like X, Y, or Z. I'm out. You know, and, and, and there's, I think, some drawbacks from a personal development standpoint, just how easy it is to go. But when it's all said and done, I'm happy the players have the freedom. And I, and I think it's good for the players. Um, you know, we do have our individual camp coming up next week. And, you know, I'll just give a little plug for it. It's, it, it's, it was awesome two years ago. And all that information is on gouvu.com. Or I put a little link in my social media bios for that. So if anyone is looking for a great summer camp for kids and youth, um, please check us out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Co- Coach K retired. I, I think we all thought Coach K was going <laughs> to stay in the game. I mean, you feel like he's going to be there forever, and, and, and he's out. Um, but I think college basketball is still in a great place, uh, even with uh, all the changing landscape of it. So your camps, boys and girls, uh, ages what? Yeah, but boys and girls really um, kind of the third, fourth grade, all the way up to senior in high school. And so that's kind of next week. And, and that's a great chance to learn skills, to come out, to have some fun. We also have a very – we have an elite camp later in the month for guys that are that, – that's a men's only camp that's for hardcore players that, that want to be – that want to get to know us more. Guys of, like, my ability then, what are you saying? We got your spot reserved. <laughs> Next time you talk to Dennis Lindsay, ask him about PK's buzzer-beating hook shot. <laughs> it that was it was it was absolutely Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Peek over the right shoulder, swing left, hook right, splash, and then he literally ran to the door and ran out the tunnel. There's a little Bo Jackson mixed into it. I love it. You got to have the flair to it, but that—that's an unblockable shot right there. <laughs> get, get that one over Gobert. Hey, you get that over Gobert, you—you you know it's real. <laughs> <laughs> he trains. I defend him, and I've got a broom that I hold up in the air. That's how he's getting ready for the one-on-one with Rudy Gobert, which will be pay-per-view, by the way, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, Mark. We appreciate the time. Good luck with the camps. Good luck with the transfer portal, and uh, we'll see how your picks go. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. There's UVU basketball coach Mark Madsen. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Tyron Lue, coach of the Clippers, and jazz star Donovan Mitchell, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Game one tonight, Jazz and Clippers, 8 o'clock. Time right now to get the scouting report. The Clippers' point of view. Here's head coach Tyron Liu meeting with the media. Hey, Ty, how you doing today? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well, thank you. Um, first, do you have any update on Sturge? I know he was listed as doubtful, but do you have any update? Did he travel? Is he doing anything? He didn't travel. He didn't travel, okay. Um, and then as far as, I, I know you went small the rest of the series against the um, the, the Mavs, excuse me. Uh, do you think that's something you could do as much against the Jazz? They, they, their lineups really have either Gobert or Favors out there the entire time. They don't really play without a center. Okay. <laughs> so I'm, saying, I'm saying, do you think you can play as small as much against that kind of team? Yeah. I mean, what's the, I mean we played against 7-3, seven, 7-4 seven, Boban and 7-2 Porzingis. So um, it's not really that big of a difference. I know they go to the boards a little you know, better, but um, you know, there'll be points in the series where we have to go small, you know, no matter who's on the floor. So, um, you know, Dallas was a good test for us of having a blackout because all their guys crashed. I'm um, having Boban out there um, with our small lineup, having Przingis out there with our small lineup. And I was able to do a good job. So um, we we'll definitely have to go small at some point in the series. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Law. What's going on, Ty? Uh, you, you mentioned before the Dallas series how you would – prefer to study the first 15 plays or so uh, of a team. I just wanted to know how that helped you prepare for the Mavericks, how effective you thought that was, and and uh, what the short turnaround is going to be like as far as preparing for this Jazz team. Um, you know, I think it was good with Dallas. Um, they really didn't learn a lot of stuff after the first two games. It was just really pretty much um, Lucas seeking out the matchup he wanted with the switches and um, running a lot of high five. and. Um, that's basically it. And we pretty much did the same thing with a small lineup because, you know, Nico doesn't know a lot of the five positions. So um, it just became a, a battle of, you know, taking advantage of the mismatches and trying to attack from there and trying to get two on the basketball to make plays. And so both teams did that. Um, so the plays are really out the window, you know, pretty much after game two. Um, with Utah, we know they do a great job of running their sets, you know, with continuity and um, Gobert, who's a dynamic roller, you know, to the basket, puts a lot of pressure on the rim, and they have a lot of guys who can make shots. So, um, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. We so said they got a dynamic roller instead of having five guys space around them permanently to shoot the basketball. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Shane. Hey, Ty, how are you today? Good. Great. Um, I'm just curious, is there anything in particular you've noticed about Donovan Mitchell's improvement or anything he's enhanced in his game over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, his shooting, you know, he's definitely becoming, you know, a way better shooter. He could always make shots, but, you know, becoming, you know, a really good shooter has been, you know, has made his game take off and go to another level, actually, because now teams can't go under, or teams can't play him for the drive. You know, he has a mid-range pull-up. He has a three-point three shot off the dribble and catch and shoot. And what he's also improved is, you know, going right and be able to shoot it off the dribble as well. So um, he's really expanded his game over the last couple of years, and um, that's why he's a great player. Thanks. Next, we'll go to Miriam. Hey, Ty. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. Um, appreciate it. Uh, you mentioned uh, Utah's continuity. How much does that sort of like, you know, that they've had that include again for a bit? How much does that play into their success like that? Can you say it again? I'm sorry, Miriam. How much does the, their continuity over there with the Jazz play into their success, do you think? Oh, because everyone's touching the basketball. Um, they live to play off closeouts, you know, driving kicks, you know, getting into the paint, spraying it out for threes. And 
like I said, they was, you know, led the league in three-point makes this year, you know, just of sharing the basketball, getting to the sets, running that stuff with pace. So um, we know we got to do a better job, you know, this series than we did last series of taking away the three-point shot, making those guys put the ball on the floor, and then having our back line ready to help. Thanks. Next to Andrew. Hey, Ty. Um, Mike Conley, obviously his status is um, he's going to be reevaluated for that hamstring. Just curious how you evaluate uh, the Jazz when he's able to play and, and when he's out of the lineup, kind of the difference it makes. Um, they, they play the right way no matter who's on the floor. You know, uh, Collins is a big part of what they do. Um, but then they just insert Joe Ingles, and he's a six, eight-point guard. And they just run their, they run their system. And um, they all play well together. They know exactly what they're looking for, who they want to play through, and how they want to play. So um, Mike Collins is a big part of it, but they still play the same way no matter who's in the lineup. And then relating to, to Serge, I know he, he made the trip to Dallas. Um, for, for game six to watch that one was st- him staying home something that trainers decided better for his rehab or did he want to do that what what kept him home for this one next to farbot hey coach um on the mike conley question i'm just kind of curious how does it change your preparation when you're not sure if one of their starters are going to be playing do you just kind of prepare as if he is or how does that typically change in a playoff preparation setting Prepare for if he is playing. Uh, we can't just, you know, speculate and guess if he's going to play or not. So we have to prepare like he's going to play and then go from there. Thanks. Next to Justin Russo. Hey, Coach. Glad to hear that you're doing well. Uh, with the roles that Terrence and Luke had in the last couple of games of last series, do you kind of foresee them having similar ability to impact the games in this series? Well, we'll see. You know, every series is different. Um you know, they both did, you know, play well when they got the opportunity. And, you know, especially in game seven, you know, I thought Terrence and Luke both did a great job. Um, but every series is different, you know, so we just got to see, um, see how they're trying to attack us, see the floor of the game, see the floor of the series, and kind of go from there. Thanks. We have time for two more. Next, we'll go to Kahari. Hey, what's going on, Coach? Um, last game, you all did a great job of um, balancing out the scoring. You guys have seven players in uh, double figures. How's it, how important is it for y'all to keep that momentum going going into this series against this tough Utah team? Um, it was very important. You know, I thought in this last series, we really played with pace. I'm probably the most pace we played with all season. And um, Kawhi and PG and those guys attacking. You know, we wanted to get the ball out early and attack early before they can get their zone set with Bobby in the game. So um, the same thing has to happen again, you know, having 30 assists. Um, last game and you know we were due to make some shots and some threes and we made 23s last game so um, you know we just got to continue to keep building off that continue to keep sharing the basketball making the right plays and you know hopefully not guys make the shots. Thanks last question Eric Walden. Hey Ty so um, I covered the Jazz and and several of their players today were obviously extremely complimentary of Kawhi uh, kind of speaking to his do everything ability just as someone who's been around him for a few years now, what to what do you attribute his ability to kind of go from being an already elite player to a guy who's able to take things up to an even higher level once the once you get to the postseason? Um, the work he puts in every day, and um, a lot of times, you know, me and my coaching staff, we say he's probably overworking and working too hard. But um, you know, every day is the same routine. He's an hour there before practice, working out, getting his shots up, and then after he's doing 30 more minutes after practice. And um, it's been the same routine for the last two years since I've been here. And sometimes you think he's tired, and you know, he needs to get the rest, but he continues to put that same work in every day. So I think just from from you know, him putting the work in and 
um, understand that he's trying to get himself ready for the playoffs in the postseason. And um, he stepped it up for us, like I said, in this seven-game series. This Clippers coach, Tyron Lue. Now here's Jazz star Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Don, good to see you. Obviously, uh, Kawhi is one of the elite players in the league, one of the elite two-way players. And then it seems like you get to the postseason and he just finds ways to, you know, take his game up another level even. What did you see out of him in the series against the Mavericks and, and kind of what are the biggest challenges that you anticipate uh, facing from him on, on both ends of the court in this series? Um, you know, one thing I respect about Kawhi Leonard, man, obviously everybody talks about his two-way ability, which is elite, but, you know, his will to win um, by any means necessary. Um, there were possessions where it was guarding Luka. There were possessions where it was scoring. There were possessions where it was getting offensive rebounds, getting defensive rebounds, box outs. Like, that's what, you know, leaders do. And that's what he does for that team. And he does everything. And, you know, that's a, that's a credit to him. And for us, you know, he's going to be a, a tough matchup for us. But we got to go out there and understand we do what we do. You know, at the end of the day, he's just going to be – it's not just him. You know, they have a – Paul, they have Marcus, they have Reggie, the guys who can who can really go. So for us, it's just doing what we do, um, understanding they're going to be physical, they're going to switch everything, they're going to play that small lineup. But you know, we've we've seen it, and now we got to go out there and just execute against it. John Coon, AP. Donovan, you you look at just how you guys did on the perimeter, both offensively and defensively in the, in the first round, going up against a team like the Clippers with the amount of length they have and the amount of good shooters they have. What do you feel like are the keys to kind of continuing that momentum and, and being able to impose your will on the perimeter, uh, both got, offensively and defensively? I think you got to be sharper. Uh, everything we do in Memphis has just got to be even sharper. Um, you know, there's certain passing angles, uh, driving, understanding they're going to help from certain places, understanding where they're going to be on the offensive end. And you got to be sharper mentally, physically. The pass has got to be on point. And we got to take our shots. You know, we can't pass up looks against this team because they're great at recovering and scrambling. And, you know, they got 6'8", six, 6'9", six, 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 whatever. You know what I mean? And then the wingspans are there too. So um, it's they're called their small lineup, but, you know, it's, it's just because they don't have a seven-footer out there. But at the end of the day, they're really good at scrambling and being able to recover. So for us, it's like we got to be able to execute through that, play through that. Um, defensively, you know, they can score many different ways. You know, at the end of the day, it comes down to the, the those two and Paul George and Kawhi, but understanding that Reggie can get going, Marcus can get going, Batum, everybody. You know, so for us, it's like, okay, you know, how do we stay locked in and stay solid? And we did a good job of that um, against Memphis, you know, um, outside of really game one. But now it's, you know, at an even higher level. And understanding it's not going to be just for – a quarter, two quarters, you know, there's certain things we got away with in the first series that we won't be able to get away with this series defensively. So understanding that we got to be on point uh, every minute of the game, every minute of the series. Sarah Todd Deseret News. Donovan, you've talked to us before about uh, the value of being able to watch Mike Conley and have him on your team and learn from what he does on the court. Where would you put that? I mean, if you're looking at how you're growing and your growth year after year, being able to even just sit next to him on the bench and talk to him about what's going on, especially during the postseason, how valuable is that to your game? Um, huge. I think, you know, it's, it's, there are times where it's like, you know, it's talks that are pretty lengthy, but then there are times where it's like little tidbits, like, you know, uh, 
Sarah likes to jump to your right hand, you know, like little stuff like that, just so I can like, oh shoot, like you're thinking about it on the fly, like little things like that that he'll give you uh, myself, you know, and being able to sit on by him in the locker room, being able to play Xbox with him, like, you know, just forming that, that bond early was huge. And then we became uh, real cool and started just going over so many different things in, in the game of basketball and what he saw. And he's been to the playoffs, I think eight or nine times in his career. Um, so he's seen a lot, you know, he's seen, um, he was part of the team that the AC that beat the one seat. You know, so when we played Memphis, he had so many things, you know, not just for myself, but for the team of what he's seen and how it went down and how, how they're feeling going into game one and game two uh, coming into this series. You know what I mean? So like for us, for me, you know, it helps me tremendously, you know, being able to just kind of like a calming, cooling pre- presence, regardless if we're up, down, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, never see Mike have a bad day either, which definitely uh, keeps the mood light. And, you know, he's he's a great teammate and, you know, a great person. And I'm, I'm thankful to have him. You know, I think we all are. But for me personally, I think it's, it's big for my growth, like you said, in my development in, in many different ways. Rebecca Harlow, TNT. Donovan, looking forward to working with you again. Um, just curious, you know, the sense of urgency that your team showed in that first round was pretty clear. How much does that stem from the way things ended in the bubble? I know you took going up 3-1 and then losing really hard, but in some ways, um, has that added to the chip or has that made you guys even better because you went through that and don't want to go through it again? Right. In, in some respects, you know, I've talked about it pretty much every interview, but in some respects, I, I say it's, it was good that it happened, you know, because you learn a lot from losses, you know, you learn a lot more, I would say, because if we were able to get away with not paying attention to the small details and winning that series, not saying we wouldn't be the same team we are today, not saying that, but, you know, you definitely have a different chip, different edge uh, to you. So going up 3-1 against Memphis, we made it a statement from the beginning that we were going to come out and play a certain way. And we didn't really have to say it. You know, it's kind of just like one thing we just do, which means everybody, one through 17, was on the same page, which is great because that means we're all locked in and have the same goal. Understand we all felt the same hurt, you know, from from – from last year, it wasn't just me or it wasn't just Rudy or it wasn't just Mike or Joe. We all felt that, so we understood that. So now, coming into this series, you know, we kind of still carry that, understanding that, all right, we won the series, but that we were up 3-1. Like, that's not the goal. Like, the goal is to continue to win and continue to play deeper into this playoffs and get to a championship. So um, not being satisfied, I think, is one of uh, one of the biggest things with us. And I think with a, with a team like the Clippers, you know, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be easy, but understanding that we got to be resilient. Um, if we get up, understand that we got to do the things that we continue to do at a high level. And even if we get down, we got to raise our level and continue to to go out there and be the team that we've been all year. And um, that's pretty much been our mindset. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Donovan, I know playoffs are always about adjustments, but it seems like historically, from an outsider's perspective, the best team in the NBA or the best teams always kind of dictate how the playoffs go and, and kind of how the games are played as the best team in the NBA this year, do you guys feel like you have that advantage, even if it's just psychological? Um, I think for us, like, like, like I was just saying to Rebecca, I think being able to, to show our resilience through the season, through the first round, like it gives us, it just gives you a confidence going into a series, understanding that this is what we are. This is who we, this is what we do. And understanding that we got to keep that level, you know, and coming fresh off a loss uh, and last year, like we understand that, like it's so fresh in our mind, that like we're at a point where it's like, we don't want to go back to that. You know, and I think that helps um, 
more so than what you're saying, in my opinion. I think understanding that, yeah, we're the best team in the NBA, and there's a swagger that comes behind that too, but understanding that we just felt the loss before and we don't want to go back to that feeling just because we won a series. It's not like the end all. So for us, it's, yeah, we're number one team in the, in the regular season, but at the end of the day, it's like a high school kid, number one ranked kid going to college. It doesn't mean nothing. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like you, those rankings, everything starts over at zero, zero. Uh, they won a series. We won a series. So, all right, we won the five, they won the seven. So at the end of the day, it's zero, zero. Um, none of that stuff before matters. We got to go there and lace them up and, and get ready to go. Dana Green, ABC4. Hey, Donovan. Uh, after your first game in the Memphis series, you expressed some dissatisfaction of having zero assists, and then you went to five, and then eight, and then ten. Was that kind of a conscious decision, a conscious choice on your part, or did those opportunities just present themselves, or do you expect to continue at that level of distribution? Yeah, um, for me, <laughs> uh, the first game was like it was a point to be proven. You know what I mean? It was I, my head. oh man, sorry. Um, my, my goal was to go out there and just try to attack. You know, I hadn't played in 40 days and I was really just like so excited to be back. You know what I mean? I missed so many easy reads because I'm playing, you know, so it's, it's different. And then you get out there, you watch the film and I get mad at myself because I'm like, damn, like voices were open three or four times in a row. Like there's no way I missed that, you know, finding that. So coming into game three, it was like, okay, this is what's going to be there. I told Royce, I told God, like, this is what's going to be there. I'm going to drive. I'm going to, cause they're now they're expecting me to do what I did in game one and come out and try and score. Now you're going to be open. And then it became, okay, now being able to find both and manipulate the offense, understand. Now I know how they're playing me. Now I'm kind of getting a little bit of a rhythm, understanding, okay, I'm going to get to the basket. This is going to be there. The ball fake here, that's going to be there. So as the series went on, it just went back to my film watching and just understand of playing the game of basketball and continuing to find my rhythm. Um, that's really all it is. Uh, but game the first game back, you know, you're just like a kid in a candy shop. You're just out there playing in front of the home fans, playing a playoff game and just happy to be there. And, you know, and then it's like, okay, like now you're being tactical with your approach and how you go about things and understand where guys are going to be. Mark Medina, USA Today. Hi, Donovan. Good to see you. Um, I was wondering, how would you compare what the, the mental toll of this unique season has been like compared to the bubble and what was your approach in kind of navigating the, the unique challenges of the season? Um, in a sense, the beginning of the year, I think, was similar to the bubble because or really a lot of the year for me, because I didn't really like go anywhere. I don't think a lot of us went anywhere. I mean, not just here, but in the league. So I think it was kind of similar in that sense. You know, the only difference was the travel. So you would travel and then you'd pretty much be like, locked down in a hotel room, you know? So at the end of the day from the bubble, you'd go play, you drive and go play at the arena and then drive back to the hotel. And that'd be that. So this season I think was, was tough, but for me, it was just like, I have film and I had Xbox. Uh, so I had that to kind of keep my mind distracted. Um, uh, so for me, that's, that's really what it was. Um, it's definitely, it's definitely unique and interesting, but you know, as things are starting to change throughout the league, the protocols, the rules are starting to change. Uh, it's, be, it's become a little bit easier, I think, in my opinion, but, um, the playoffs are going to be tough in general, uh, regardless. Um, and you know, having the fans back, having that element back and that feel, I think definitely kind of brings life just throughout the league in general. Um, for, so for me, I, I, I think, you know, it's, like I'm not too far removed from being in a college dorm in a high school in a boarding school where I had a prep school. So I was pretty much in my room doing the same thing I'm doing now anyway, after a basketball game. So um, kind of going back to my roots, as I would say. Uh, so it wasn't that hard for me, but I definitely think it's challenging in some instances for sure. Rebecca Harlow TNT. 
All right. Yeah, Donovan, um, you averaged a point a minute in that last series, which in a playoff scenario is so difficult to do. I mean, there's so few NBA players ever who have been able to do that in your fourth year. Now, what do you think it is that you've learned that's gotten you to a place where you are so efficient, even when you're in a scenario where an entire team is focused on taking you out of the game? Um, I think it goes back to what I was saying before. I think first off you're seeing playoff basketball for, for the fourth straight year. You know, I think over time you look at guys like Brown, Chris Paul, Steph, like, <clears throat> KD, like those guys are really good in the playoffs because Kawhi, like those guys are good in the playoffs because they've seen it year after year after year. It's like, you know, after a while, the coverages, you know, don't change. You know, you understand the guy's tendencies at this point. Now you know what you're, what you can get to, what you're capable of, how you can get there, slowing the game down yourself. You're seeing everything at a different pace than I was last year, the year before that, you know, so for me, and then on top of that, taking the film work to a higher level too. So understanding that, you know, it's good to watch the good highlights, but you also got to watch the, the the ones where it's like, man, I missed this or man, I missed that. I got to see this. This is what's going to be there if I attack there. And, you know, being able to pick other players and watch how they attack those defenses. And then you implement that into your own game. So you pretty much do all that, you know, for three, three, four years straight, it's starting to slow down. Everything starts to change for you. Um, and then also being able to hit shots, uh, and that reps, those are reps throughout the summer, um, continue to rep those out, continue to go out there and, and, and rep those out every day. Um, and then the reads and everything else will come throughout the year and throughout the years of, uh, of playing and in the playoffs, everything's kind of slowed down, which makes the game, like I always say, more tactical and more mental. And it really goes down to how experience and going down to how you can slow the game down and how you can make reads for others and make reads for yourself. Mm-hmm. All right, we have time for one last question. It's a follow-up from Sarah Todd. Don, I just wanted to get an update on how the ankle is feeling after that first round and last couple of days of practice, how it's going. It's good. Um, I'm ready to go. Um, the, the time off was great, uh, but I definitely missed playing. Um, but, you know, ankle feels good and ready to go. There's Donovan Mitchell. When we come back, what is trending? The headlines are next. <laughs> 